Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hello and welcome to another Reader Q&A episode on the College Info Geek Podcast. This is episode 42, I believe. Really? And I'm joined by friends who can introduce themselves because I'm too lazy. Uh, Martin from Polyglot and other things. You know, my life in general. I'm from that. Is that where you're from? Yeah. Um, and I'm just kind of a boring person, you know, I don't do anything except sit around all day. That's not true, I'm actually a designer. But you guys have heard that before, so... <laughs> what if there's maybe, new people, huh? Maybe not. Okay, so I'm just a college student, and yeah. And you're dating me. And, you poor, oh, poor girl. Yeah, yep. it's pretty awful. You've messed yep. up. Anyway, once a month we do a reader Q&A episode where we take five reader questions that have been emailed to me, which you can email yours over to college, thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. We answer them while playing a video game. This month we're playing the new Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U, and I am once again moderating because I just think it would be unfair if I played. Like, you guys would just get destroyed. He's so. lying. He's bad. Actually, he's not as bad at this as he is at other games, so I'll give him that. I'm getting better. That's on the air. I just, on the record... Not that bad. Did you just publicly admit that I'm not that bad at not, a video not game? Not that bad. Oh, Because I think I just saw a pig fly. Oh. Oh, I almost died. <laughs> I'm pretty good with Diddy Kong. I'm just going to put that out there. So, and I beat you once, I think. I want to point out that I haven't died a single time yet in this game. Good job. All right. So, we're going to get into those questions in just a few moments. Uh, I already told you where you can email your questions, so if you want to do that, you can do that. And if you want to get the show notes for this episode where we link to anything that we mentioned, tools, apps, whatever it may be, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com, find the episode 42 link. There's also a link within the show notes to subscribe to the show if you want to get the show delivered to your device of choice every Monday at 6 a.m. Central Time, give or take. And, uh... Otherwise, if you want to get resources, cool apps for making your life easier as a college student and finding the tools that I use to work every day, then go over to collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. And that's all I've got to say for the intro, so let's get into the first question, which comes to us from oh, Sebastian. Man, I almost had it. And he says, my biggest college goal right now is to find a group of friends that like to do things that are more interesting than help. sitting around on the computer or TV all day, every day, which is what we're doing right now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I want to find people who are actually doers that spend their free time nice. being active in their lives, like working on an impossible list. Where do you think I can find people like that in college? So, Anna, you said uh, that this was a perfect answer. See, for the you. Last, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't read the last part of that. Oh, you didn't read the whole question. That's classic student. Dang it. Classic student. No, but I mean, I met you guys. On the off chance. Okay, so it, it, tell us the story of how it was not as good before that. And um, how it's better now. I guess I'll start with my freshman year. I foolishly decided to go into a design major in which you have to be a doer. So all my friends that I had freshman year were kind of just like that. 
Even though a lot of them just sat around and played D&D all the time. But I didn't do that. So, whatever. Don't anyway, lie. how I met you guys, though, was I went to a club meeting that had the same interest as me. And I know clubs can be kind of scary because you're going to a place where you don't know anyone. But you just, just remember that... You're going to that club because it interests you, right? And so are they. So you're going to find people who have the same interests as you. And probably, most likely, the same mindset. For the record, it was Anime Club. Yes. Because you're a nerd. But that's where I was. So I guess it all evens out, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just trying to really, the short answer is to get out and do things. Like, if you want to find people who are doers, then you have to go out and become do a doer yourself, yeah. right? Um, I tried to do that, like, really heavily my freshman year. I tried to do it. Wow. I'm going to jump off the edge <laughs> right now. Killed myself. If we were in China, you'd be in jail right now. They banned puns. They did. You can't. Good thing I'm not in China. I'm going to fly it's a, you there It's a pretty tomorrow. bold strategy, China. Yeah. It's a little sketchy, if you ask me. That's whatever. Um, but yeah, when I was a freshman, I, I tried joining... Let's see, I joined Guitar Club. I tried to join <gasps> Business Council. I, I had to apply for that it. after my second semester, but I did get in. Uh, I joined a few committees. And I think, on the whole, I may have joined a few too many things. And I was kind of resume padding a bit. But uh, I, I did end up meeting a lot of people who were very active. I ended up becoming a residence advisor. Uh, I ended up becoming a orientation assistant, all these kind of jobs came out of it, and through those things, I met people who were doers. So, that was pretty useful. Um, I've also met people who are interested in more than just TV and video games through random coincidences, such as I met Martin through my roommate. Yeah, and, uh, that didn't work very hard for that one. That's true, yeah. We just kind of, oh look, you're friends with somebody I know, so, I don't know, mutual friends can be a thing too. Um, do you have anything to Add in for this one, Mark? Uh, honestly, not really. I've never tried to do this. It just myself. happened. What about the those like other friends that you were hanging out with that were not in our core group? Was it like a dedicated effort that you put into that, or did it just kind of happen? They were just in my classes. Uh, if okay. you if you want to meet people, just be open to meeting lots of people. Some of them will, by default, be doers. Mm. But I don't think that there's this is the doers club because they would all seem really cocky and narcissistic, <laughs> but and you know, I suppose it makes a bit of sense. Going Wait, to clubs, mean. however, makes you at least slightly a doer. You're willing to get out of your room. So clubs are probably a good place to start if nothing else. Yeah. Um, I've always heard this quote, like if you want to be an interesting person, just be an interested person. So just try to have interests that can get you out of your room, can get you out to events and things like that, and you'll naturally meet people, I think. Um, there was a dark time during my senior year where I went to the bars a lot, hoping I would meet people, and... Unfortunately, yeah. I did, but I just never, like, I don't know, there was never any genuine connection that lasted because... You're not guaranteed to meet people who are of the same interests. You know, it's just people who go out. It's like the most generic place to go out. So, well, I won't say to like not go out and like party and go to the bars. It's I think you need something else along top of that. So, um, also those jobs and volunteer opportunities. You know, they're they're work, but they can yield some pretty great friendships as well. So maybe looking to be an RA or joining a 
I don't know, like a job where there's other people that you're working with and have a team. That could be a cool thing to do. So uh, I'm going to move on to question number two. So actually, there's two questions from this person. I thought they were both good, so I added them in. And they're both from Ricardo. The first one is... Uh, oh, in his career, uh, In Ricardo's Korean class, he's got to memorize at least 20 words oh, every week. So how can he go about it? And this is a language learning question, so it goes to... Anna, right? No. Yep. Wait, I what? What's the question? Just kidding. It's Augusta Martin. Uh, Ricardo needs to memorize at least twenty Korean um, words every week. So, yeah. What are your tips for memorizing vocabulary? Well, bulk? right now I'm going to make the assumption that you know. I literally uh, killed myself. I think it's Hangul, the Korean writing system. If not, that is a completely separate tip from the following, which is purely for vocabulary and applies to every language, and that's use Anki. Obviously, Anki is a it's a flashcard system, and it uses spaced repetition. I've mentioned it before on the show, and that's probably because I love it. It what it does is imagine a flashcard deck where every time you got the flashcard right, you wouldn't have to look at it for a little bit longer. So I'm really good at this. You don't need to see it tomorrow because you probably didn't forget it in the span of one day. But if you keep messing it up, it's gonna make sure you see it much more often until you get the hang of it. So using that in my French class, I basically knew 100% of all the chapter's vocabulary way before I needed it. And actually, I went through the entire book initially, just I took one really long day and set up the entire textbook as vocabulary and then learned every word for the course very easily. And it was controlled because Anki has a maximum number of new new cards you can set up, so I had it set to where I could only have 20 new cards a day, and the rest were review. And that maybe that sounds like a lot, but the actual study sessions are about five minutes, so... Yeah, that's that's, not too bad. That's the most manageable way. If you're only learning 20 words, and it's just vocabulary you're concerned with, I think Anki's the best way to go. So with review and and new cards put together, do you know how many items per day you had total to study? On like a general day? On a general day, I had maybe 20 to 50-ish. After I got real busy, that number <laughs> went really high. So if you're going to use Anki, you should keep up with it before that number gets to the hundreds, because then you are very overwhelmed and probably won't start it again for a while. Man, I should yeah. handle that. It gets but, really demotivating. But if you're only adding in certain vocabulary instead of the entire textbook at once like I did, you don't have to worry about that because you won't have that many cards. It couldn't possibly ask you to do 100. That's true. Yeah, and I so, get, well, if he's adding 20 a week, then it's going to be... It's well, going to eventually get be a there. good amount. Yeah, but since it's for a class, there's like built-in uh, regulation of how much you should study. Yeah, yeah. I just threw the whole textbook in because mm-hmm. whatever. And for French, like, you, when you were in the class, you were probably keeping up with it. Well, yeah, I was definitely doing all my assignments and trying yeah. to talk in class and all the other traditional be good at language learning by using the language and paying attention things. But just right. for straight up vocabulary, Anki is almost indispensable. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, there's one I use for Japanese called Wanikani. And it's specifically for Japanese. I think it's a little better than Wanikani because it's made for learning kanji. But uh, I use it in conjunction with Anki. And unfortunately, I have not been studying Japanese for a while. So I have like 350 uh, review yeah. cards I need to do. Space so, repetition only works if you keep doing it. You have to you have to make a habit out of it. 
And once I get the time to get back in the Japanese, it will be going oh, into Habit RPG as a daily, so I can actually make sure I do it. Uh, there was another technique you talked about called the OVA technique. Uh, yes. So yes, I did. Is there, like, what is that, and is there a way that you could tie it into assigned words, potentially? Well, OVA, it's a OVA... I pronounce it OVA because it reminds me of Jay-Z's HOVA, and it makes me <laughs> makes me remember it better. HOVA! Because it's awesome. But it's organic vocabulary acquisition, and it's basically when I'm when I'm walking around on a daily basis, like, if I'm not thinking about anything else important, I will try to name things around me in the language I'm studying. Mm. So, like, trees, bushes, beards, backpacks, sidewalk, and then if I don't know the word... I write it down in this little list, and then I look it up, and I put it in Anki later so that I have an OVA list that is my daily life words. And once I stop finding new words that I don't know on a daily basis, it turns out I can describe my daily life almost completely. And that's huh. awesome because it's a very personalized vocabulary. I don't know, in conjunction with assigned words for school, OVA could do very good things for helping you learn the language in general. But I don't I don't know like it's kinda different than when somebody hands you words. Yeah, yeah. But I would definitely recommend it for just vocabulary acquisition in general because you'll you'll learn basically what's specifically important to your life. If you're not working with computers, maybe you don't need to know the word for server. But right. if you are, that will co- that'll show up, and then you'll learn those words because class won't always give you the specif- specific words for your field or your hobbies, and you'll only find that out by trying to figure out what gaps there are in your knowledge. Yeah. So for for general language learning, it's good to use for your assigned words. I guess the purpose of it doesn't really boost your retention of those specific words, though. I guess you could, um, if you have words that you potentially come up. And see in your everyday life, you could try to mindfully like point out to yourself, oh yeah, that's a vocabulary word. If you're like on the bus and bus is one of your words. Like, yeah, you yeah. Get on the bus and uh, remind yourself, okay, what is this called? And you'll have more connections to make, which is always good because the more connections you can link words and concepts to, the better you're going to remember them. So in general, learning more will make it easier to remember those words. Yeah. So, so loosely, any good language learning advice will help you learn those words better. Cool. Very specifically, you should set up an Anki deck and see how that works. And play your video games in Korean. That is fun, also. Possibly difficult. I don't know what level of Korean you're at. That's true. So, I wouldn't advise it for, like, first semester Korean. That's... Maybe you're not going to know what any of it says. Maybe a little tough. (laughs) It depends. Though, somebody on Reddit told me that they actually tried to play through Pokemon in Japanese. Nice. When they were like at a low, uh, lower level than me and they did it. That's awesome. I don't know how. Like, a lot of persistence if you, apparently. If you have the patience then that's, yeah. that's awesome. And also you probably know how Pokemon works. That's true. Unless you were just willing to go to a dictionary and look up every single thing you saw. Yeah. Which I don't think I have the patience for that but knowing how Pokemon works I could see how I would be okay yeah. with going oh, through that man. because it wouldn't matter if I didn't understand it all. I don't think I would have the patience for it either. But you don't well, have the, the biggest, patience for games that aren't at 10,000 times. This is true. And I guess the big problem is I was going straight from Pokemon Red to X. So. Yeah. There well, there's a lot, lot of differences. That's a, and those trying are not to read even those close changes anymore. in Japanese. I, I feel like if I put Red in Japanese, that would probably it would be, be okay. a lot more playable. Yeah. Because I just, I know it. 
Yeah, you missed a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. That might be a smarter thing to do when I get back and study. Take a game I've already played. All right, so uh, Ricardo's second question. I think all of us can chime in on this one. Uh, and I'm, I'm waiting for, like, you to scowl when I say it. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I have a group project. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> with classmates I'm not familiar with, and I think we are all introverted because I feel like we have yet to break the ice. So what should I do? Um, so let's just riff on group projects. I, I think we could also we could tackle the you know the bit about getting acquainted with your, your group members, but also just let's talk about how to make group projects less sucky. Dang it! Avoid them. <laughs> Other than the word avoid them, because you can't. Like as you learned this semester, I think your professor threw like yes. eighty group projects at you. Probably it's not exaggeration at all. I had like six ish at once. Yeah. That was really fun to juggle. Well, like, every day you'd come home and be like, oh, I gotta go back to campus for a group meeting. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Um, Alright, let's tackle the the issue of getting to know your group members first. So, what do you do, like, what level of of getting to know them do you strive for? Do you even care? Or, like, do you try or do you just, like, try to get it done? To me, it depends on the project, because sometimes group projects, uh, the teacher probably has this fantasy where all the kids get together in like a room with a whiteboard and they're all just like hashing it out and it's it's a vehement discussion and they're writing circles and squares all over the all over the whiteboard. Is there montage music? Yeah, there's tons of montage music. And in the end, they're all smiling and high fiving. But what usually happens for my groups is everybody says, all right, let's divide this, do it on Google Docs and leave. And it's much less dramatic and kind of turns into single-person assignments that are just <laughs> regular size. So that's not all as dramatic as the professors would like. But So for that one, honestly, if everybody gets their work done, I don't care that much if I get to know them. Unless, unless I think that like they're cool or I want to get to know them. But if I'm just really busy, I don't think it's all that important for the... S- like success of the group if they're tackling it as if it's six separate tiny assignments. Okay. Instead of one instead of where we would actually have to collaborate. Right. But there were there were a couple where I had to really talk to my group members and uh, collaborate with them and I couldn't just do my own part and it was all by itself. So for that, during the meetings I would make a point to kinda in addition to doing my share of the work, I would make sure to drive like a certain amount of small talk on the side when there were breaks to make okay. sure that we would keep talking. And through that, I got to know a little bit about what everybody was doing in school, what they cared about. And while that didn't directly help the assignment, it did make it a lot more bearable to meet up with a group. Right. Because it was like, I'm cool with these people. And you leave feeling successful and glad that you're working with people that you now kind of care about a little bit because you know them instead of just going, I don't know any of these people. I don't care about any of these people. I don't care about this work. I don't want to do this work. Everything's terrible. So making an effort to get to know them is helpful if you actually have to collaborate. Yeah. It increases your motivation to actually show up and do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have felt bad because I, I knew the group. So the days I didn't want to show up, I was like, ah, but they know me. So they're going to know who to be disappointed in now. Yeah. They're not going to be like that other guy. Maybe he's busy. They know what I'm doing. They know. Hmm. They know I was just skipping. So what about you, girl? Uh, 
Did you see that? Oh boy. Uh, okay. This is anyway, audio? sorry. Um, uh, group projects. Um, you know I haven't worked on. Many do you do you have a lot of those in graphic design? Not really. We've had like oh, one. Really? Yeah. I guess that no. makes sense. We've had like one, and that was last year. And I got paired with someone that really wasn't my type of friend. She was nice, but like. Not the kind of person I usually talk to, you know what I mean? Mm. But basically, I, as much of an introvert as I am, I sucked it up and tried to make conversation with her. And, like, honestly, after the project was done, we have, like, not talked to each other since. So, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't... It's not like I was like, hey, do you want to hang out on, like, that level of, like, friendship? But I was at least, like, trying to talk to her about... I don't know. Mm. All right. So, like, I guess just even if you are an introvert, just kind of just try and force yourself to say something. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm an introvert and I did. And it was fine. And we both liked how our project turned out and it was great. So. Awesome. So I have a. It wasn't very helpful. I have a few things to say. Um, I think I'm, I'm naturally an introvert as well. I'd like to go read books and play video games more than I would like to go party. But when, uh, we have a group project, I guess my priority was always to either be the leader or step up as a potential leader first. And if somebody else really wanted to do it, then I would usually give it to them. But because I didn't want to do it, it's too much work, right? Um... But as somebody who cares about my grades and who cares about the success of the project and not being miserable the whole time, I would take on project manager slash leader at first, and if nobody else wanted it, I'd stick with it. Doing that lets you control the pace of the project, it lets you assign things, and it lets you kind of be the leader for the social interaction as well. And uh, one thing I did to try to break the ice in group projects was to interject creative things into the project itself. So we had a a networking project during my junior year and I think we had to do a presentation and we had to do this thing called war chalking where we went out and um, measured the strength of Wi-Fi networks around campus, which was fun. And I guess it was, it was sort of fun. It was kind of like scavenger hunt almost. And it was really a mundane class. Like networking, you know, technology is not super crazy fun. So I was like, all right, how about we assign everybody like a Lord of the Rings character? So like somebody's going to be a ring bearer. Somebody's going to be the wizard. Somebody's going to be like the the dwarf. And uh, we like took pictures of each other. And then I like Photoshopped pictures of Lord of the Rings characters with everyone. And we put that's, those in our presentation and it was super dumb. That's really, wow. Th- that's but, so, Oh, but people liked it. It's hilarious. It was fun. Everywhere. Uh, Nothing wrong with some pasta. It's delicious. What's, yeah, what's wrong with some delicious linguine pasta right? bear? I love me some pasta. The single <laughs> pasta bear. <laughs> Microwave the oh, bear. Right. Using your eyes, check for any remaining parasites and bugs. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Shout out to Tim and Eric. You're my heroes. Then throw the bear away. Burn it. Uh, so we did that. That was, that was fun. And... See here for another project. There was another one where we had to meet really often. We had to do it in person. And I was really glad because a friend of mine took on the lead role. But we made sure that, you know, everyone was on the same page. We 
tried to keep everyone updated and, and had tasks assigned. And, you know, I guess uh, the tips for socializing have been given by these two and my stupid spaghetti tip. <laughs> but honestly, for keeping group projects mo uh, moving smoothly, um, I just think that you need to be uh, vigilant about assigning duties and making sure everyone knows what they have to do. And the way that I did it was I used a, a software called Basecamp. Um, this was a couple years ago and Basecamp lets you upload documents, lets you create a calendar of when you guys are going to meet, it lets you assign tasks to people. So you could try Basecamp. Um, there's a newer app that I'm using now for my team with uh, College Info Geek and also for my friends over at Listen Money Matters because we do a lot of work with them. It's called Slack. And Slack is kind of like a team chat app, but you can upload assignments or you can upload documents and uh, it's really easy to communicate with people. It doesn't clog up your email inbox. So you can check out Slack. You can check out Basecamp. They both have free versions. I will link to them in the show notes. Uh, and just, yeah, just assign somebody to be the leader, somebody who makes sure that the dates are set for meetings, make sure everyone is going to be there, keeps them accountable and also assigns tasks. Uh, if you do that, then you can easily break group projects into those easy collaborative Google Docs assignments if you want to, uh, or you can make it more interactive and, and personal. Uh, depends on what you want to do. So I think that is good. But yeah, be the leader. Uh, also, cuts down the bystander effect, where if there's a bigger people and something needs to be done, the more people there are, the less likely anybody's going to step up. So... Being the leader lets you assign things to specific people. And if you ask them by name to do it, they're probably wow. going to do it. People are much less likely to say no to an individual request than they are to step up and do something. Um, don't be bossy, but if you need to, don't be afraid to delegate. So the next question is from Emily. And she says, I was wondering if you might be able to write a post about sticking to a budget in college. I'm a junior, and in prior years, I've had no trouble with sticking to a budget, but in the past, I also didn't have a job. This year, I landed a really well-paying, really great job, and I'm finding the more I make, the more I spend. You're not alone, Emily. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate enough that my school expenses are taken care of, but I'm finding that my own money goes to, you know, going out, buying clothes and things, and I want to be able to save more money especially now that I'm moving up in the college world and will be graduating soon. So uh, do you have any tips on budgeting in the college? Uh, no, <laughs> he's got no tips for that. I have absolutely nothing. To be honest, hey, I, I for don't head. budget. So uh, you That's budget. That's a terrible important. question. That's a terrible question I do question sometimes. For answer. No, let me, Depends let me, on the period in my life. Let me uh, flesh out this answer. So the reason I don't budget is because I pay myself first and I have, um, I have automation set up for my money. And by pay myself first, I mean I have goals for my money and I make sure to take care of those goals first. So what I suggest you do if you can is set up systems to automate your finances as much as possible. Keep all the psychology out of it. Keep all the willpower out of it. Just your money flows from your income source, through your system, gets allocated perfectly to wherever you need it to be as much as possible. And after that, you can start to manually take care of things. So the way mine works, I get paid. My rent is paid automatically at a certain date. Um, my utilities are paid. I have a weird system set up to charge my roommates for their quarter of the utilities. Goes straight to my bank account. I don't touch it. Let's see here. What else happens? I have a automatic transaction that goes to my mutual fund every month 
Um, if I had student debt, it would be the same way. I paid that off as fast as I could, so I don't have to deal with that anymore. But if you do have any debt, I would suggest automating it and then adding in extra payments when you can. So when you automate things, you don't have to set specific budgets for those categories of money because it's already taken care of. Whatever's left in your bank account is what's left. And, um, if you want... If you want money to come out sooner in the month, if maybe the default time for a transaction to go through is not when you want it, you can usually call up the institution and ask them to charge you on a different day. And a lot of them will be happy to charge you on the first of the month or the last of the month or whenever it works for you. So that works. After that, I just make sure that I have goals set up. So like I want to save this amount of money per year. Um, or maybe percentages since my income is variable. I, I do it on percentages, but if you're in a job, then you can probably set up static numbers and have it be pretty good. Uh, so that's my system. But after that, uh, I typically don't budget, but I know Martin does. So I'll let you take it for like food and, and whatever you do for your system. I am actually only budgeting food right now. Mm. And once I graduate and don't have to, like once I'm full-time working, my plan is to largely do something similar to what you're doing, where I'm going to say, this is how much I'm going to save, this is how much goes towards loans. Other than that, I don't care. Everything else is just whatever. I'll spend whatever on food, I'll spend whatever on fun, I don't care, because I've already saved. But uh, right now, I'm using Mint to do my budgeting for food, and that's just because food is the most likely thing for me to go overboard on right now. Yeah. And because of Tis the Season... I don't want to budget anything else because I know that gifts are going to destroy any other budgets I try to set for myself. Right. I I like to buy good gifts. Or extravagant, I should say. They can be good without destroying <laughs> my budget. But I buy extravagantly. Yeah. Uh, so the way I'm doing my budget now, the only way that makes it different from regular Mint usage is I've actually told Mint that all my bank accounts are closed, which is not true. I'm sorry, Mint. To, I didn't mean to lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> But because of that, I'm putting every I'm putting everything in manually. So every time I make a, make a purchase, I have to categorize it and put it in with the mobile app that I have on my phone. And because of that, I'm very aware of how much I'm spending because I know I'm about to have to put it in by myself and feel the pain of admitting that I just spent $20 unnecessarily on a lot of fast food or something. I don't know a good example that's real. But screw you, Peach. Because I'm doing it manually, every single time I spend money, I know that I spent money. When Mint does it automatically, I don't really notice. I just spend things off my card and go, yay! And then I look at it after the fact and I go, uh, I spent a lot more than I thought I did. Because after the fact budgeting, not that helpful, at least for me. Looking, because next time I won't learn my lesson because. I wasn't doing it actively. I don't actually know which part of my spending or which habit was doing it because I only looked at it after all those habits were done. Yeah. I already did it. So doing this manually is helping me keep my food spending down to where I want it to be at. And I've actually met my goal the last few months because of this. Whereas nice. every month it was doing it automatically, especially because car transactions take a few days. Yeah. I would always be over my budget. Always. And then Mint would just be like, you know what, we're going to show you, by the way, last month's purchases, the last few days, they just showed up now. So your budget's blown even more. But manually, that can't happen. I'm always on time, and I know exactly where everything is going. So 
Yeah, that's that's actually really smart. And Anna is going to look at me with that mad face uh, pretty soon. <laughs> because I have been going on about Power of Habit for nah, like fine. over a week, probably two weeks now. Is that a book? Uh, it's a book. It's fantastic book. Absolutely love fantastic it. Fantastic book. I, I absolutely love it. Once I get around to updating my... <laughs> You know, love you. You know, gross. Me too. Anyway, let's get around <laughs> to updating my essential books list. It will be on there for sure. It's an amazing book, and there's a chapter that actually touches upon budgeting. I think the main thing that it focuses on is people trying to lose weight, and uh, you know, all these trainers and everything would be like, you need to sit down and you know, like look at how much you ate. I need to like make goals and, and commit to not eating, overeating, that kind of stuff. Oh, my favorite man. And everyone failed trying to do that. And what they found is the most successful thing was just to people ask people to do one thing. Write down everything you eat. Like right when you eat it. That's it. Just write it down. And what they found is this formed what's called a keystone habit. So not only did it make them more mindful about what they were eating, cause them causing them to eat less, eat healthier, and eventually lose weight. But it also started building up this willpower, and uh, it encouraged them to build other habits. So the people that were writing down what they were eating also started exercising more. They stopped sitting around as much. They started getting better sleep. Uh, they were better hydrated, all sorts of other things. It basically just instilled this desire to adopt even more healthy habits. So the concept of a keystone habit is a habit that you build that starts creating more and more habits in the same vein. Uh, budgeting is the same way. It's a keystone. It's a keystone habit. So uh, when you sit down at the end of the month and you go, "Oh man, I went over my budget. And I'm I'm gonna commit to not doing that next month." You're not practicing a habit in the moment when you make a purchase. You're just sitting there and and making uh, commitments and resolutions that are not likely to be kept. What Martin's doing is actually practicing the habit of being mindful about what he's spending in the moment. And when you do that, you're a lot more likely to actually stick to that goal of spending only a certain amount. So definitely do that. Um, you can do it in Mint. There's an app on my phone. I think it's called Money. It's M-O-N-I. Um, there's plenty of budgeting apps, and you can just do it in Excel or Notepad. Yeah, or my original was in a Google spreadsheet. Yeah, Google spreadsheet. You can do it literally whatever you want. Just something, whatever is easy and easiest for you to do. Um, you could even get all nerdy and do quick capture and set up drafts on your phone, like have it go to Evernote or a spreadsheet or something. But just if you, if you really want to control your spending and you feel like it's a problem area for you, do that and don't worry about anything else. Um, you know, try to do the work of automating your finances and taking as much of it out of your own mind as possible. But there are just purchases that don't work well for automation, like food. It's kind of hard to automate your food. So try that out and you're probably going to reduce your spending. Um, so that's that. I will also say, check out Listen Money Matters. Um, there's like 265 episodes of that podcast, lots of articles on their website, and they're all about personal finance, automating your finances, that kind of stuff. So amazing podcast. I'm great friends with both the guys that were on it and highly recommend checking it out. Uh, and I'm going to move on to the last question that we're dealing with today. It comes from Egal. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that name. Hopefully I got it right. But uh, he asks, I'd like your opinion on creating a blog. I enjoyed your article on creating one as I think it's going to serve as a social resume for professionals interested in uh, hiring me potentially. But the thing is, I 
want to take my efforts to double major in finance and MIS, Management Information Systems, and I'm not exactly sure how to apply a personal log to the finance industry or the information systems industry, given that I'm not an expert in either of those areas. So uh, how can I use blogging to be beneficial to my college career, even though I'm not an expert in those areas right now? So I want to have you talk about it, Martin, because you're doing a blog that's not related to your major. That is true. But you probably have found it useful to your overall college career, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I founded Polyglot, a language learning blog. And uh, first, a confession. Sorry, anybody who also reads that. (laughs) I've been busy this semester. (laughs) That'll be fixed soon. Anyways... It's, it's about language learning, and I'm a management information systems major like Tom was, so not language learning major at all, nothing to do with it. But what happens is Polyglot is on my resume. Polyglot is something that I mention in cover letters. It's something I bring up when I'm in interviews, and it's something that I don't even have to bring up in most of them, actually, because they ask me about the... I have a language section on my resume... All this other stuff. So it's not related, but it makes me interesting. So they want to know about it. And once they can start having a real conversation in the middle of an interview, it's you're two people now. You're not one master with the power to hand out jobs to those he deems worthy. Or she, I suppose, or whatever. But now you're people talking about something interesting that they saw on your resume. It doesn't have to do with your qualifications, but they don't want boring people to work with. That's... Who wants to work with boring people? They're just people. So, Polyglot has made me... It's its made me stand out from the rest of my competition, as it were, because the rest of the competition is just doing student classes. And I'm doing student classes plus something completely different that's also pretty cool. In addition to those kind of benefits, I find that it's pretty cool for confidence building, it builds other skills like writing and power over your own language or second language or whatever. Power over English in this context, pretty useful in America, being able to use your language well because they want people who can use punctuation and grammar correctly so that if they need somebody to write some sort of document or anything, you're not going to embarrass them in public or on their social media accounts or something. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what the blog's over. If you're doing something cool, even if it's not a blog, it will help you. If you let it, unless it's a really not safe for work, non-professional, <laughs> safe thing. Don't put those on your resume. So I can't link to my erotica novels? If you have erotica novels, that's awesome, but probably don't put it on your resume. <laughs> Just talk about that to other people. But if it's something that, that would be safe for those kind of discussions, it's going to make you look cooler, no matter what it's related to. Yeah. Uh, when I talked to Travis Sherry, who runs Extra Pack of Peanuts, that's a travel website and blog, I talked him back to episode 13, I'm going to say, and he was telling me about how in interviews, like the fact that he'd travel, he had traveled before was really interesting to the interviewers, not because it was at all pertinent to the job that he was interviewing for, but because the interviewer is a person and they found that interesting and they wanted to know like, well, what's Switzerland like? Like, tell me about that kind of stuff. When you're interesting, when you have things like that, it just makes you stand out like Martin said. So I don't think you picked language learning as a like potential business area that's going to help uh, you out. It's not like I systems. picked it on purpose to go, ooh, I'm going to be really interesting. Yeah. It's just having interests. In, it's like Tom said earlier, you want to be a very interested person. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in something, and I proved that 
by having a blog. Yeah. So and you have like aspirations to start a blog, right? Yeah. So On what's Sunday. what's your plan here? Uh, graduate first. <laughs> good, good plan. Um. Well, I guess what do you want to do with yours? Well, I want to like make tutorials about how to use Adobe programs. Mm. Not necessarily just that, but like art and design tutorials in general, and also you know general blog posts about art. Kind of generic. Okay. Well, sounding. so yours is going to be a little more actually tied to your major. Uh, yeah. But your major is more. I guess your major. <laughs> your major is easier to blog about and be interesting. Yeah, her major right? is interest based, like already. Yeah, because you can you can make an amazing piece of art, and people are going to be like, "How did I do? How did you do that?" And you can teach them, and you can live stream it, and you can yeah. do tutorials. Uh, like when you're <laughs> when you're in finance or MIS, it's he's really fast. It, it can be a little harder. To find topics, you know, right in that niche that are interesting and that make you stand out. Um, when I emailed Egal back, though, I told him like, if you're ma- if you're double majoring in per- or finance and uh, MIS, then you could do a blog on personal finance. That's not a topic that you need to be a graduate finance major to know things about. You can just talk about the things you're doing to improve your own financial standing. Uh, it can be more interesting than talking talking about corporate finance or economics or whatever you would think you'd need to talk about. And just the fact that you're writing, that you're putting your work out there, that you're showing progression like and showing off your command of the English language, uh, networking through blogging, all these kind of things, it will benefit you, even if it's not completely related to your major area. Um, I was an MIS major. I had every intention of being a sysadmin working in the computer room of a big corporation and basically being cyborg from Team Titans. And... Why'd you quit? You're not in anymore. Oh, well, thanks. Oh, did you die? Yeah, I don't care about this. <laughs> I was like the worst character ever. I was like, I what is told them. What's going on? I don't care uh, about Just kidding, Anna doesn't die in games ever. Uh, I've been yeah, I, I, wanted, Lucina, though. I wanted to work with computers. Um, and obviously College Info Geek was not a computer blog. Literally it was a Mars college tips blog. Hair. And I just did it because I wanted to share the things I was doing to be a better student. And I figured, hey, if I go talk to an interviewer and they ask me what I'm doing outside of class, I can tell them I write articles for this site. I've written like 300 of them. Uh, I guess I've written like 350 some at this point. That would be something that's pretty, that would be pretty impressive to a recruiter, no matter what the topic is, as long as it's something that is useful or interesting and not not safe for work. So as long as I'm not like reviewing 50 shades of gray chapters or something, I don't know. Kind of weird. Still cool. No, <laughs> no hating on you. If you like that, her description, not a good resume. We're not good though. enough in this chapter. I feel Just, like she could have been a little bit, well, more you know, you know, actually it depends on what you're applying for. That is very true. I don't know what you're applying for. Maybe that's an awesome thing that you could put on your resume. Yeah, I, I guess Make your own decisions, as always. <laughs> yeah, decide if that's a good idea. But if you're applying for a uh, account manager position with KPMG, then you might not want to show them your Fifty Shades of Grey fan blog. I don't know. Just, just saying. Unless you get that vibe just from put, the person interviewing you, if you get they're a just Fifty like Shades of Grey vibe, their a little bit. They're just like, yeah, it's the books on their desk, and they. Maybe this is going to be the one, <laughs> the one person. <laughs> Uh-oh, how do we beat this one? Or do we just not? You, you, you can ignore you it. Can, you can ignore but it. But you can beat it. Yeah. 
What's his name? Metal Metalhead? Metal, metal Face or Metalhead. Metal metal it's one Tell of the two, guys, I think. I don't really should know. Should I give up all of my goals to play Xenoblade? Obviously. Definitely. You should, yeah. Well, I mean, aren't fact, you already playing do... Dragon Age about the same amount of time? Probably. <laughs> like, let's do a 120 hour I don't, I, I don't think streaming. Dragon Age is quite as long as Xenoblade. Are you going to play it more than once, making it quite as long as Xenoblade? Yeah. How, long, <laughs> yeah, how I much am. did Clyde put into this game? Did he like, try to 100% it? Yeah, he did for Where a while. Okay. And then he gave up near the end. That's probably why. Anyway, um, so those are our opinions on blogging. There are. Why did I just get an email saying League of Legends? What? League of Legends, man! <laughs> I don't want to play League of Legends. Game. I'm sorry. It's I'm a, sorry that I didn't contribute much to the questions this month. What's up? I didn't contribute much to questions. This you contributed to the smashing. Quick, add an hour of content right now. Uh, Go. I like to. Poop. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Wow, is that the first thing you thought of? Man, oh man. That is, you know what, that's worth it. straight to the top of iTunes. That's worth it. They're going to feature the best podcast 2014. That's the only thing you needed to say this whole time. Yeah. Best advice I've ever given. Oh, I had something I wanted to mention for uh, the budgeting one. There is an article on the site that I put a lot of time into called 39 Ways You Can Cut the Cost of College. So if you're looking for ways to make budgeting easier for yourself, uh, check out that post. It lists a lot of ways that you can spend less resources for saving money in college. There's things like um, like student rate where you can get discounts. There's things like uh, textbook websites where you can find the cheapest textbooks, things like that. So if you want to save money, then those things can be useful uh, to help with your budgeting. So that goes back to question number four. I think we're doing five. So I'm going to start rounding out the episode here unless you guys have any what wasn't weird things that you want to talk about? Blogging. Oh yeah, yeah, that nah, I can't contribute <laughs> to that at all. Start your blog, girl. Someday, gonna get it, gonna get it out there. All right. Well, hey, thank you. If you are still listening to this episode, thanks for sticking with us. Hey, uh, we will be back in about a month, give or take, for another Q and A session. So, if you've got questions you want answered about studying, about careers, about money, or about why I don't want to play League of Legends. Um, <laughs> email those over to Thomas at collegeinfogeek.com spoiler the reason is because I want to play Smash and Towerfall and have no time for any other games especially those ones that my friends want me to play sorry guys <laughs> anyway they witnessed whoever's <laughs> listening to this witnessed me get much better at Smash Brothers yes See, deliberate practice you put it except in. I think Martin's letting me do all the work <laughs> I can neither confirm or deny. <laughs> I am not hopping around in the background aimlessly. <laughs> um, oh, hey, if man. you want to find the resources that I use to be more productive or anything else that will help you be a better college student, then the resources page over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources has lots of tools and resources that you can use. And I said resources a lot of times. Resources, resources. Um, also, the YouTube channel has... New videos coming out every week. The one that came out last week was on how to ace your finals, and I've got a new one coming out every Thursday, so definitely head over to collegeinfogeek.com slash videos and subscribe to the channel if you want to get those every week. Putting a lot of time and effort into those, so hopefully you like them. Sacrifice Give some feedback, leave a comment or something, or send me an email if you like them. If you have ideas for new videos, things you want to have covered on YouTube, I'll get them made. Um... Yeah, so that's it for this episode. Coming up next week, 
I have an episode or interview with my friend Joel Runyon. And if you've ever seen the homepage of the website, you probably see me in the t-shirt that says impossible on it. Well, he's the guy who made the impossible brand. He's the guy who inspired me to start my impossible list, which has been a huge driver of progress and, and goal setting in my life. So definitely stick around for that interview. It's coming next week. And until that episode comes out, stay cute. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.